This morning, Ukrainian officials say two people were injured in a Russian attack around Port Rainey. That's down here. I can show you a close up of this region and it tells a very interesting and dangerous story. The port, which is right here, is on the Danube River. Let me show you where that river goes. The Danube River separates Ukraine up here from Romania here. Romania is a NATO country, so the attacks on ports, including Port Rainey right here and also here, are happening within eyesight, a stone's throw of a NATO nation. The Romanian Defense Ministry has weighed in calling the attacks unjustified, breaking all international humanitarian rules, and Ukraine has claimed that some of the Russian Shahed drones used in these attacks actually fell inside Romanian territory. With us now is CNN's military analyst and retired Major General James Spider Marks. Spider, you can just look at this map and see how close Russia is coming to NATO territory here. How much do the Russians care, or is that actually part of what their strategic goal here is? Well, I think the Russians care, John, and, and, and thank you for having me on. Um, the Russians certainly care. They understand the rules of attacking another NATO partner or in attacking any NATO partner and how that would evoke Article 5 and all of NATO would be involved. What this really shows you is the carelessness of Russian operations and what I would describe as kind of a big hand little map <clears throat> in that they are not into the very precise details of these strikes. They are launching in a very specific area and if there's spillover, there's spillover, then the narrative will become we didn't, men we didn't intend to do that. And I must tell you that NATO will very, very professionally breathe through its nose, very carefully look at this, do the forensics, and will act very accordingly going forward. So this, Spider, is, this is incredibly provocative, but it's understandable. As we look at the big picture here of the battlefield in Ukraine, we got word this weekend that the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has fired his defense minister right in the middle of this counteroffensive. What message does that send? Well, what it tells you is that, you know, when President Zelensky was elected, Ukraine has a very long history of corruption, and he was elected to arrest that, get his arms around that. Well, simultaneously, Russia then invaded his country, and he's been fighting essentially two enemies. This notion of DNA inside his government that has this corruption bent, he's got to get that thing under control, and he also has to fight this war of sovereignty against Russia. Um, to the soldiers and the leaders on the ground, this essentially means nothing. They will continue to focus in on their missions. It's a big deal from the standpoint of Zelensky and how he can galvanize his cabinet and how he can send a very powerful message. Look, we can't, we can't uh, abide this behavior, and we must hold folks accountable. But to, the, to those that are fighting, it's irrelevant. Keep driving on. Stay focused on the target. Most of the fighting in terms of this counteroffensive has been happening in this southern front, and the Ukrainians have retaken Robitaille here and are trying to push south to this city right here, Tomac. Talk to us about how the Ukrainians are doing this and the importance of consolidating and protecting their gains. Yeah, what you're, what you're seeing is this movement. They, they made a decision, obviously, at the operational level to grab hold of Robitaille, they want to move to Tomak. When you look at the infrastructure, that's kind of how the road network works. Then it goes further south to uh, Melitopol. Then they want to cut straight down to the Sea of Azov. What that, exactly correct, and what that does, if they can hold that penetration, 
They've got to be able to hold the shoulders of that penetration. Then what it does is it dislocates military term for giving Russia, the Russians very few options in terms of resupply. If the Ukrainians can hold the penetration, then they can hold one side of it, which would be the northern shoulder, so they can begin the reduction to the south and Crimea. That then puts the Russians in a predicament. The ball's in the Ukrainians' court to take advantage of this initial success. But these are belts, defensive belts, as you and I have talked about before. And the Ukrainians have to be very deliberate and don't get ahead of themselves and make sure that they, when they make penetration, they can hold, make penetration, they can hold. And then that allows them to make some, some choices. You want to have options in combat. You want to eliminate the options to the Russians. How hard is it to maintain control of a city like Robitaille once you do take it? it you know, it's a, it's a Ukrainian city. I should mention that. But when they regain control of it, how hard right. is it to maintain? Well, size of the population, what does the network look like? And then what are you really trying to achieve? You can hold it. You can bypass it, provided it doesn't become an annoyance where the Russians can snipe at you, can ambush, take advantage of a flanking motion. You can bypass that part as long as you, that city of Robitaille, as long as you continue to make your movement and to secure the, soldier, the shoulders of your movement south. That's what's key. It's got to be done very deliberately. It's got to be done very cautiously, but it's got to be done with strength because that, that then puts the pressure on the Russians. They get isolated, mm -hmm. isolated and they have fewer problems. General James Spider-Marks, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Great to see you. CNN's Melissa Bell joining me now live from Dnipro in Ukraine. Uh, and we'll talk about the grain deal itself a little later this hour. But Russia again targeting infrastructure, even as Putin and Erdogan talk about reviving this deal. What are we seeing on the ground? Well, what we're hearing from uh, Sochi just very briefly is that uh, the West was to blame for the collapse of this deal and it could yet be revived should Moscow's conditions be met. But as you say, Becky, uh, quite extraordinary that on the eve of that summit that so many different parts of the world watch with great anticipation to see whether this crucial grain deal can be revived. It should be uh, agricultural port infrastructure. In fact, one of the main uh, export ports of Ukraine, the one at Reni, down by the border with Romania that should have been targeted uh, overnight. Um, what we are seeing again today, a series of drone strikes, not just on the south that I mentioned, the Odessa region, but here around uh, the eastern parts around Dnipro as well. Uh, some of them caused damage. Most of them were intercepted by Ukrainian air defenses. And this comes uh, even as intense fighting continues along several points of the front line, Becky. Uh, but all attention here very much on what's happening in southern uh, Zaporizhia region and specifically the gains that have been made around Robotina. We've been meeting uh, with some of the men who achieved those gains these last few days who really speak of apocalyptic scenes further south, the sky black with drones, the extensive minefields, uh, and yet uh, they say they believe that progress is being made. The first line of, U of Russian defenses appears to have been broken, and with that, uh, Ukraine hopes that there is now momentum on its side. It's going to be able to extend the bridgeheads to the south of Robotina as it seeks to make it to its next objective, which is the strategic and logistical hub of uh, Tokmak. Of course, much is going to be down uh, to whether the momentum can now be found to consolidate those gains. It is small assault groups that are going in in the hope, Becky, that a larger assault can be prepared with a double aim, not just moving further south, but drawing uh, frontline elite Russian troops from elsewhere along the front line, Becky. Well, with that in mind, then uh, what of the timing of the replacement of the defense minister, the Ukrainian defense minister, by 
President Zelensky. Why and why now? Well, it comes uh, at a critical time. What we understand is that Alexei Resnikov, who's been widely praised for doing one of the hardest jobs in the world as efficiently as he has over the course of the last year and a half, uh, was, uh, we hear, uh, rocking to stand down. His replacement, uh, Rusem Umarov, certainly has a tough challenge ahead. Uh, this, uh, certainly timing-wise, allows uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky to draw a line on what had been 18 months of a number of corruption scandals that had bedeviled uh, the Ukrainian Defense Ministry uh, and to show that he is taking this seriously. There have been a number of sackings, a number of resignations, and a number of trials uh, that have been begun as a result of this to show that this is finished. This is to do with procurement in the very early days of the war. Much of it, it should be specified, Becky, to with Ukrainian taxpayers' money and Ukrainian weapons defense contracts. Still, it is all about convincing NATO allies that they can keep on uh, giving their weapons at this very very crucial time in the counteroffensive. The other job uh, that Mr. Umarov is going to have is continuing Ukraine's efforts to continue building its own uh, weapons capability. We've seen that it's been uh, upping its uh, production, not just of drones, but also of long-range rocket systems. And its aim, and this is what we've been seeing more and more clearly these last few days, is not just to press further forward with that counteroffensive in the south, but also increasingly to be in a position to take this war to Russian soil itself, Becky. Good to have you, Melissa. Melissa is in Dnipro in Ukraine.